This is a Pain Information Network, episode 18. Hello, um, welcome back. Thanks for coming back. This is a good time of year. It's Christmas time around here, and uh, I'm in North Carolina. And the nice thing about North Carolina is we just aren't belted by snow. But then again, it's going to be 70 degrees on Christmas. That's not that's not right. I grew up in the mountains of Colorado, and I was used to skiing and bumming around a, a real festive environment that, that was right for the season. So come on, let's get some snow. Let's get some cold going on here. Now, I, 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 will, I will preface this. I'm not wishing any ill will on folks that have arthritis because I hear this in my practice all day long. When the weather changes, yeah, your pain changes. When and um, there's a front that comes through, I ache more when it's cold outside. Things just aren't great. But fact of the matter is, um, we 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 listen and we like to listen. And it's hard for us sometimes. We don't have all the time we want to really spend uh, with an in depth interview. But the, the the fact of the matter is. Uh, we care, and I think we can homogenate a lot of information and gather it very quickly and really make some good clinical decisions that uh, affect a positive outcome. Now, this is what we're talking about today. Dr. Harvey Finkelstein uh, is in New York, and he's with World Institute of Pain here. I haven't seen him in a while, but I saw him at WIP and uh, decided I'd corner him for a podcast because he has years and years of experience. He's gone through a lot what I've gone through. He's gone through the very beginning and early stages of acceptance of pain management as a specialty uh, to the explosive growth of pain management. There's a pain management clinic on every uh, corner like Starbucks. And finally evolved into a, a real credible boarded uh, entity that uh, is there with extremely qualified people. And it's, it's hard to even get a fellowship in pain management. It's so popular right now, especially interventional pain management. So Harvey takes us through a little bit of that trending, and it's, uh, it's good to hear it. It's a, it's a refreshing interview, and I hope you like it. Today, I'd like to uh, welcome Dr. Harvey Finkelstein, another world-class uh, physician here at the World Institute of Pain, uh, an educator, uh, an individual who is in private practice in New York, who has uh, many years of clinical experience and a fine resume. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I started doing pain back in the 1980s when I was a resident at Stony Brook on Long Island, New York, and I was um, the first pain fellow in that program. I stayed on staff at Stony Brook for two years as part of the pain program and then went into private practice doing both anesthesia and pain. And then over a course of seven to ten years, I transitioned to complete doing pain, and since the late 90s, I've been doing just interventional pain medicine. Yeah, a really uh, strong background, but the clinical experience is what has really made such an impact. Um, as we kind of evolve through this uh, uh, grand uh, walk through life in pain medicine, uh, we've noticed a few things have changed. And, and your title pretty much says it all. Uh, Lord of the Rings, what's that all about? Well, 
I mean, that's been sort of uh, one of my favorite passions over the last few years is just trying to dispel patients who come into the office who uh, get sent by their orthopedist or primary care doctor for something called an epidural steroid injection because they have back pain which can either stay in their back or back pain which causes pain to go right down to their toes or if they have pain with sitting. And everybody comes in saying, I need an epidural injection. And no one understands that there's different kinds of injections for different pain situations and that there's not one injection for all. It's not Lord of the Rings where one shot rules everything. Different problems have different treatments. Exactly right. But um, we, We've had folks be, uh, talking about SIs and facet injections. They pretty much rung that out, but uh, you're a real champion for this, doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah, that, that, that's the key. The key is when the patient comes in, just not to say someone sent them for an injection and do what they're told and send them back and try to make the doc, the referring doctor happy. The most important thing is to, to examine the patient and make the patient happy and get him better. And then if you have to, call your referring doctor or, and explain to him that, like, you know, just tell him you're sending him for a pain management evaluation, not for an injection, and try to educate the patient about that there's different treatments for different problems, and this is why we're doing that injection. Yeah, like so, some, some of the other things you do. Okay, I see this. I see where a doctor says, uh, here's a, a patient. I want you to do an injection XYZ. Um, and there's really not a lot of a, a clinical information that I have beyond that. When I, I actually talk to the patient, they really don't want the injection, but they want a less invasive approach. What else can you do? Well, sometimes the patients get sent to me, and I'm sure you see the same thing, Hans, where you know they, they have back pain, they've had it just for a couple of weeks, and they haven't even tried any over-counter the medications or they haven't tried any muscle relaxants or they haven't done any exercise or physical therapy. So I always tell people if they're not interested in needles, they're, first the first thing to do is let's, let's maybe get an MRI or, or more advanced x-ray pictures, find out what, what could be causing the pain, and then maybe let's try some physical therapy for a while and try uh, some over-the-counter anti-inflammatory medications. And let's do that for about three to six weeks. And if you're not better, then we can come back and discuss injections. Or... If the pain is getting worse, then maybe you want to get a more aggressive approach. Exactly. Um, that's, uh, <clears throat> that is so important. It's rule two. I have these rules in pain medicine. Rule five is improve function, but rule two is get that diagnosis right. And it's so common for us to see a, a patient walk through the door that came from those maybe less uh, enlightened in pain um, kind of telling us to do something and we're just not technicians we want to do it right so what is it, some of the things you want to you want to look for when a patient walks through the door well when, when a patient walks through the door the one of the things you obviously look for is uh, one is their habitus. So they are they trying to take care of themselves? Are they are they are they are they heavy? Are they light? Or what kind of gait do they have? Are they walking in easily? Are they hunched over? Are they limping on one leg? You want to get a general overview of what they look like to try to get some idea of what what their what their problem is. And then after you do that, then you have to do a, a real examination. Uh, on the patient. You have to see where the pain is coming from, and you have to examine that with different maneuvers. And that's very, very key, because sometimes a patient goes to an orthopedist, they have pain, they're seeing numerous patients a day, because that's just the way medicine has become, and they do a quick three-second review, and they go, okay, send them to the pain doctor, because he doesn't have anything I can do surgically. 
And the only word they know is epidural, so they just put that in the patient's head, and the patient comes in and said, my doctor said to do this shot. So you have to sort of teach them that there's other things to do and examine them and show them what their problem is. Right, right. and uh, you, you also want to look at the comorbidities. What else is sitting with them, and what can you change? In other words, what are the modifiable features in their health profile? Uh, can you help with uh, best outcome, like smoking? You mentioned weight control. That's that's a tough thing. Uh, you know, every pound counts, but no one should feel um, an imposition that we ask them to try to do these things. We don't expect people to move mountains, but, you know, at, before we start moving into these interventional procedures, we want to look at the things we can change and help them change. Um, your experience in New York is what? How, how do patients do with this? Well, I think that it's, um, you know, New York people want to just – I don't know if they like the rest of America or not, but it seems that they are. Is that they want to come in, and Americans just like to come in and do something quick and get better and get back to what they're doing and not have to really participate a lot in making themselves better. So it's really, really hard to get people to uh, to understand that, like you know, you can you can do an injection and, and, and get the pain better, but if you really want long term results, you have to start getting active in your life to make it better. You have to, you have to sometimes lose a little bit of weight. You have to change some of the foods you eat. And you have to do exercise. And I learned that by myself this year, and I had both of my hips replaced, is how important the uh, physical therapy was to getting back. Yeah, because that really does change the risk profile for everything we do. And the long-term projection, I like to put people into three, six, nine, and 12-month benchmarks. And we look at realistic uh, movement forward. So we're moving in now to some injection therapy. And you mentioned that uh, one size doesn't fit all and that you're now using, uh, I've talked about this in the podcast, the differential diagnosis to make the best uh, outcome eventually. Um, So how do you pick your procedure? Well, I pick my procedure based on, on my examination of the patient. If my examination includes some maneuvers where I can demonstrate that the pain starts in their back and radiates down their leg, and then I get studies like an MRI that shows there's pressure on a nerve root, then I can say an an epidural steroid injection would be the appropriate thing for that person. If, on the other hand, you do an examination and you see that the pain is mostly localized to the back and it doesn't really go down to the feet, just goes maybe to the buttock or the leg, then you have to look at, at, at part parts of the back structure itself that could be causing pain where sort of the the lumbar facet joints, which are the joints between the bones in the back called the vertebral bodies, or even a very large joint in the buttock called the sacroiliac joint. And those areas sometimes are underdiagnosed and undertreated. Yeah, we completely agree with that. So I'll I'll get a patient into my office and they'll say, uh, yeah, I've had an epidural. It didn't work. Well, what do you mean it didn't work? Um, Well, I don't know. They they took me to this room and made me lean over a pillow and sat me up and it, it didn't work. I don't want another one. What do you think of that? Well, I think that that's basically the problem in going to either a block specialist where someone's just putting a needle in and saying he did an injection to generate a, a fee or to a pain specialist who actually looks at which nerve is being affected. Because one of the things you and I have learned by going to numerous courses and teaching at these courses is is that you have to get the medicine to the nerve or the point where the there's pathology or there's something wrong with it. So if you just bend someone over and put a needle in their back, 
there's a good chance the steroids are not going to go where they need to go. And sometimes you have to hit the right spot. So you have to diagnose which nerve root or which nerve is irritated and specifically under fluoroscopy, inject that nerve root. You're right. You've got to take a picture. And yeah. uh, that's my point. If you don't see where the tip of the needle is going, you don't know where it is. Um, I did a uh, kind of a funny little study a number of years ago with a lot of experience. I put the needle in where I thought the SI joint was and then took a picture. And nine out of ten times, I wasn't where I really thought I was. So the day of the blind injections, done. And um, I'm sure that you use fluoroscopy on everything. Absolutely, without a doubt. Like when, when we started in the, in the mid-'80s at Stony Brook, we didn't even have fluoroscopy, so we didn't have, that was, it was just starting to be the standard of care. But since the late 80s, every injection has been done under fluoroscopy. And actually, you know, what you said has been actually studied at, at residency programs, where I think where they did a study of, of, of attendings where they were doing blind epidurals. And I think they had, what was it, a 50% miss rate? Or it was oh, yeah. a very, very high. Right. And a, a paper or two has been uh, uh, widely disseminated in the medical community about epidurals being of question. But if you look at the clear methods used to come to that conclusion, they're flawed. Um, there's different ways to do epidural injections. Like, like, explain three ways we could do a couple three ways. Well, you could do you can do a blind injection where basically you just have the patient sit or bend over a pillow and then try to palpate or touch certain parts of their back to identify bony structures and just blindly do the injection on, on a field technique, which is called loss of resistance or just a, a non-diagnostic r approach. Then um, you can use fluoroscopy or x-ray, which is live imaging where you actually under, under direct x-ray guidance, you place the needle directly in, at a certain spot where you want to go. And I think other ways that are being investigated now is ultrasound, which is a non-radiologic a non approach. We use ultrasound to find where the needle is going, and that can be very effective for some, for some nerve blocks. Exactly, and these papers didn't really define what approach and what imaging was used, and these blocks are done differently. They're done by what, what's called a transferamyl approach, where we put it around the little nerve for dense application of drug where we think the inflammation is. We do it through the tailbone called a caudal injection. Uh, we do it uh, through the interlaminar approach with the uh, needle going between the bones in the back. There's a number of different ways, and we have to see uh, in these authoritative papers what they're talking about because erroneous conclusions follow. And then it gets to the lay literature and a lot of uh, uh, this uh, concept I call the fallacy of false generation just finds a way of its own. That's right, because the press is going to make things appear simpler than they are, and they don't understand the details. And as, ever, as you know, the devil is in the details. If you don't do something right, then it doesn't get the result you're looking for. Exactly. And that's why we're here at the World Institute of Pain, and we're <clears throat> educating physicians all over uh, the world. Um, I think how to do the right things, and they are amazingly um, receptive and exciting to be around. Right, this is a good time to go to the next uh, section called the jewel or junk. Um, what, what in your mind is kind of a jewel with this type of stuff, and what is kind of junk? Okay, so what's a jewel? A jewel is when you um, when you meet a group of colleagues who actually care. I think to me that's the most that's the biggest jewel I've learned in my career is that to find people who just don't want to just 
do something for the sake of doing it and generating a fee. The jewel is to find doctors like we have with the World Institute of Pain that care about doing the correct procedure and doing the correct diagnosis to obtain the best result. That's a jewel. You want to find a doctor that actually examines you, takes the time to look at your x-rays, takes the time to look at your MRIs, and puts the, the puzzle together. That's the jewel. And not just to go to some doctor who says, okay, it looks like you have pain reading down your leg, which a lot of people call sciatica, which can mean one of dozens of things, and say you need an epidural injection, and that's it, and they don't do an MRI. or Just because they see a, a herniated disc says, well, that's causing your pain. Because you and I both know that over 50, at least 50%, if not more, of patients with herniated disc disease don't have pain. So that herniated disc could be a red herring, and it could be a completely different problem that's causing it. You know, Or... Some people, some, even what bothers me is that patients go in, they, uh, they have pain for a day or two, and someone's putting a needle in without even trying conservative care, some physical therapy. So the jewel is finding someone who cares about you, who does the diagnosis and explains to you the options and takes care of you. That, to me, is the jewel. Exactly. And some of the junk I've seen, and you, you take off with this, is um, they'll bring in some imaging studies or somebody will send me some imaging studies. The spine looks terrible. They've had ravages of life, I call it just living well, and they have arthritis. They might have rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, whatever. They don't really hurt that much. It's incredible. But just visually, the spine is a mess. But, by God, we got to put that needle in there. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, the needle is, 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 only, is only one treatment of many that you can offer the patient from conservative non, non-injection therapy to injection therapy. You need to be able to pick the right thing for the right patient. And just because a picture shows you something doesn't mean that's necessarily the problem. Otherwise, you know, everybody who would go into a, a spinal surgeon after the age of 50 would have, would have surgery because all of our necks look terrible, all of our backs age, and we're not operating on pictures. We're operating on people who are alive and have other things going on. You have to put the person in front of the picture. Yeah, thanks very much, Dr. Fickleson. I know you've got to get to the lab, but your time is uh, greatly appreciated by everybody here uh, and in the podcast community. Um, and uh, keep up the good work. Let's have you on again, okay? I'd love to come. Bye. Take care. Hey, thanks, Harvey. Uh, I think that was fun to listen to, and I had fun interviewing him. Uh, not exactly the best room to interview, and the sound quality wasn't as great as I wanted it, but it is what it is. You know, we're on location, and we're trying to make the best of what we've got, so um, thanks for listening, and thanks for going to iTunes and leaving a review. We really appreciate it. I'm going to do a question and answer. I've gotten a lot of uh, questions uh, through the paininformation.com website. Um, that's a site in development, but the questions are really driving the content. So I'm listening to you. Uh, if you haven't gone to fibromyalgia.com, that's another one of my websites. That, uh, it's about ready to get a complete uh, redo, but it's a good website, and there's a lot of good information there, and there's a forum there. It's worth taking a look at, particularly if you know somebody or you do have fibromyalgia. And remember, this is a informational program and the site is an informational website talk everything over with the qualified professionals i always say if you have any questions uh that are in-depth and of personal nature that's where it needs to go especially when medical advice uh is so hard to come by these days that makes sense um 
find your find your uh, your practitioner find your provider the american society of interventional pain physicians has a website uh, asip.org that has a directory i think the american academy of pain medicine has one as well aapm that's a good group too and um take take a look around at some of those providers drop us a line let us know how we're doing and once again we'll see you we'll see you soon